when I started looking into Web3 specifically, and I saw how the concept of tokenization and the concept of shared ownership was going to completely you know, change the paradigm of what we as consumers on the internet are used to, I thought, I think this could be an absolute game changer. I think that this is going to change the fabric of how us on the internet interact and behave, uh, and this is going to form the business models of the future. Welcome back to Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. My name is Matt Silverman, and please remember to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Today's guest is here to tell us about a new Web3 platform that focuses on tokenization and its utility for really any individual, influencer, organization, or business. There's a lot to unpack there, so if you're already lost with that sentence, take a deep breath, keep your ears opened, and buckle up as we explore the wild world of Web3. Founder and CEO of BitFans, Anthony Kang, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Lovely to be here. Let's start with how you got into Web3 and crypto. I, it's really interesting for me to see how sort of people's previous life has transformed them into this new world, um, but really how it's set them up to be successful. The quick background story with that is um, one of my good friends is a software engineer. Uh, and he was somebody who was just always in my ear about crypto. You know, he's heavily involved in the DeFi space and the NFT space. And just over the, over the months, he'd be talking about all oh, the latest developments in, in the industries. And I thought, you know, from the periphery, I thought quite interesting, but it just wasn't my, it just didn't capture me fully um, because he was coming more from the DeFi side of things. Then I, maybe about the fourth conversation, fourth catch up with him, I thought, you know, why don't I look into this a little bit and just see what this whole blockchain and crypto thing is about. When I started looking into Web3 specifically, and I saw how the concept of tokenization and the concept of shared ownership was going to completely you know, change the paradigm of what we as consumers on the internet are used to, I thought, I think this could be an absolute game changer. I think that this is going to change the fabric of how us on the internet interact and behave, uh, and this is going to form the business models of the future. So. My, my background is quite mixed in the sense where I've worked in uh, a few different industries. You know, I originally started off in a sales and marketing background. Then I transitioned into the finance world, uh, working for a private investment fund, doing some M&A acquisitions. And then I switched over into tech and I was working for a SaaS company where we were basically helping uh, CEOs of large organizations with their enterprise-wide culture and helping them build high-performance cultures for their larger organizations. So through those experiences, Matt, I got a good taste of um, business at different levels with different, from, from a different lens, if, if, if you will. And I just thought, I think I can use all these skills, these biz, biz, biz dev, business development skills that I've put together to try and really add value to this Web3 space. I think if there's one thing that the crypto industry is probably lacking, and I think that's changing rapidly now, is guys who have that traditional business development world experience. You know, there are a lot of very intelligent technical people in the crypto world, guys who could code up the most fantastic solutions. But I thought, I think I can add my own flavor to this by bringing in, you know, classic business development skills. So, so after exploring a couple of different business models, um, I saw that just focusing on the actual infrastructure side of helping influencers, creators, businesses, brands, charities, basically anybody who has built up an audience to create tokens for their brand. 
And in our case, we're pushing the angle of creating their own community tokens and creating their own community mission-based DAOs. If we could contribute in that sense, we f- we think this could be massive. And I think that in the next, you know, over the next decade or so, we are going to see um, DAOs pop up everywhere. We're going to see different creators and influencers release their own community tokens where they're going to unite their communities around the shared mission where everyone is working together in this community run and community owned organization. Absolutely. I, I also feel the the same promise for all of this technology and I see where it's going and, and I'm also trying to build uh, infrastructure that will help people. And, and so I, I love what you're doing and I, I really do think there's a great future for all this. What I want to do, and I hope you'll bear with me a little bit, because the number one criticism I get from this show, and this is from very smart people listening to this show, is they say, I listened to your whole episode and uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I I can't follow. What is it you're talking about? So I'm hoping before we get into BitFans, I want to sort of define some of these terms so that everyone can follow this conversation and, and get to the end with us. Uh, so let's start with what is Web3 and what is tokenization? I think with this question, everyone has a slightly different nuanced view and way of interpreting it based on, I suppose, what they're focusing on and trying to build. The way I view Web3 and tokenization, Matt, is so Web3 is an Internet that is owned collectively by both the platform and the users itself. and there needs to be a mechanism. There needs to be some sort of tool, asset or device in the middle that connects everyone together. And this is really where the tokenization part comes in because in the case of Bitfans, for example, we're a Web3, you know, crypto company, basically a technology business. And we have something called the Bitfans token. So the Bitfans token is something that the users can purchase or earn through giveaway competitions and so forth. And once they acquire the Bitfans token, they can use it to interact on our platform. They can use it to pay for fees. They can use it to buy different tokens. And the benefit of people owning the Bitfans token is we can all build value. So the more we use it, the more we tell our friends about it, the more people that come onto the platform, we're all holding these things called Bitfans tokens. So the more attention and activity that comes through it, theoretically, because I can't make promises on you know what happens with prices or things, but theoretically the price of the Bitfans token can increase. So if, if you're a user on the platform, Matt, and you're using the Bitfans tokens to interact with the platform and you're helping to build up the community and the token price increases over time, then for the first time, you can actually be a user of a technology platform and actually benefit and share in the upside growth of the brand. And the reason why this is possible is because of this thing called a token that is the thing that sits in the middle that unites the company, the platform and the users all together. How is a token and tokenization different than a stock or shares? I would say that they share similar attributes depending on how the business has set up their their token for for their specific industry and niche and what they're targeting on. So in the case of Bitfans, Bitfans is, the token is not a security per se. So it's more of a token that has utility. And in the case of Bitfans, People are able to use a token to pay for fees on the platform. Token holders will be able to use their tokens. One token equals one vote as a way to govern the future direction of the Bitfans platform and the DAO. So our vision over the next couple of years is to fully exit to the community and become a complete DAO structure. So Matt, if you own a thousand Bitfans tokens, 
you have the ability to vote in future proposals and have your tokens be worth a thousand votes. So we're building a lot of utility around the BitFans tokens. We're also going to offer special VIP perks and benefits. You get access to our Discord private, uh, you know, cer certain VIP sections and so forth. You get access to merch, exclusive content. So it's, it's similar in nature, but it depends on if the company is setting up the token as a security, like a share, or if they're setting it more as a utility token. But there are a lot of similar benefits that you can obtain from both the token. It's, it's similar to shares in that sense. Maybe this question doesn't have a great answer because I, I think it's all un unfolding before our eyes. But is Bitfans operating in the U.S.? Because I've talked to other companies who said, you know, we're we're not operating in the U.S. because of securities issues and because of um, things that are honestly above my head to explain. I'm a resident of Australia, so I'm based out of Sydney in Australia. Um, so we're an Australian-based company. But um, you are right, Matt. Um, when it comes to you know corporation establishment and stuff like that. There are so many more crypto jurisdiction friendly places out there. So because BitFans is still in the earlier stages and we're building up the company, um, when the time is right, we probably will end up setting up in a more crypto friendly jurisdiction. Now, to give credit to Australia, Australia is, from a law perspective, a very um, advanced crypto regulation country. So they're trying to usher in a lot of quick regulation that makes sense. So we may end up staying in Australia, but I do understand why a lot of people probably want to avoid the US because the US being the big country and the great country that it is, it's filled with so many different states. Each state sort of operates like its own country with its own rules and regulations. So it can get quite confusing. And I think what people do is they just choose to set up offshore somewhere because it just makes it easy to deal with regulation. Is the goal though to have users of BitFans from all over the world? Absolutely. So as long as they abide by all the know your customer regulations. So the one big thing in crypto is anybody who uses or interacts with crypto needs to pass identity checks because we just need to make sure that they're not money launderers or criminals of any sort. So Bitfa the BitFans platform will have all of those KYC checks in place. And in terms of when people want to convert their cryptos that they might trade on our platform onto a different platform, then they'll have to basically make sure they're from the right jurisdictions in the U.S., to, in order to be able to cash it out where the tax laws have been set up. There are ways where they could just move the crypto from our wallet to a different wallet and then and, and do it that way. But but we will be following all of the U.S. regulation because the U.S. is understandably a massive market you know, for everyone, really. So we're going to be abiding by all of the regulation in the U.S. What is the difference between investing in BitFans or buying a BitFans token um, and trying to build out that community as opposed to a celebrity or influencer who's trying to build out their own community? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. So we are, I guess you could say we are one layer, layer below that level. So if the celebrity is one layer, we're at the layer that exists just below them as the infrastructure company. So my mission, Matt, is actually to onboard the next 10,000 influencers into the world of crypto and help them create their DAOs, help them with all of the crypto related, you know, token minting, how do I list a token? How do I help promote this? That whole kit and caboodle because crypto is confusing. You know, it's still at a phase of its life cycle where, you know, we talk to people about, oh, you know, how do you set up a MetaMask? You know, what's a MetaMask? How do you set up an, a, an account on Binance? How do I buy BNB? All these things, it's just, we're speaking a different language. You know, we're speaking, alien to people. So I just feel um, one of the biggest things that we can add value as a company is education. And then I thought, well, how do we take this one level further? Why don't we just do like most of the things for them? You know, why don't we actually hold their hand literally and guide them through the entire process? Because the industry needs that. 
right now. You know, and, and if, if BitFans does a good job at executing on onboarding creators, the, the 10,000 goal is over the next five years. But initially, we're starting with you know, the, the first five at a time, first 10 at a time. We're going to onboard the right people. And the beautiful thing is they all have access to their audiences. You know, they've got the 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 you know, million followers. So that's our way of contributing. And so we exist below the celebrity layer, and we're actually working with them to bring them on and therefore their audiences also. That's fantastic. And, and I agree, the education part is, is so important with anyone working in this space. Otherwise, people get lost so, so quickly. So if you're a celebrity or you're an influencer, or you're someone who wants to work with you, can you describe that onboard process a little bit? How are you holding their hand? What is happening? Um, if they email you tomorrow and say, I'm in, I, I want to be a part of this, what, what are the next steps? Absolutely. So we have this thing called the BitFans Creator Launchpad, Matt. Uh, and this is like a unique service that we put together precisely to help crypt, uh, the creators with, with the confusion of crypto. So we are adding services to this launchpad all the time because I want this to be the premier service. So this is everything from helping at the base level the creator mint their tokens and design utility around their tokens and design things like how many tokens should we ever have in our total fixed supply? At what interval should we slowly sell you know, the, the bank account worth of tokens that we have? Then we help with everything from branding. So a lot of creators who might be say uh, on, uh, you know, on Facebook or, or, or uh, you know, Instagram, whatever it might be, they might have some sort of an idea of what their brand represents, but they would have in a lot of cases, they never really mapped it out in a lot of detail. They don't really have the brand aesthetic, the brand kit put together. So we can help them with the branding side so that all of the collateral that they release is all consistent and very clear to the market. Then when it comes to the promotion phase, a lot of content creators need help with you know, producing the content. You know, what, what type of videos do we need to put out? What type of graphics posts? What kind of articles do we need to put out? So my team can help with all of that and guidance around that. Then when it comes to promoting the tokens, they might need guidance around the PR and media. You know, are there any journalists, are there any publications that you might be able to uh, help get exposure for for our DAOs? So that entire process, literally the systematic step-by-step, we've really engineered this process and we are honing it and improving it all the time. We're actually running our first official cohort through this process now. And all of these services are coming really handy. And just want to get to the point where Creators just just think, if if I want to launch my own DAO and I want, which is centered around a mission that I think I can rally my followers and community behind, and I want to create my own community token, who can I reach out to? Where I just know they'll look after me, and they've got pretty much every piece covered, and and I hope that the the detail that I've covered in terms of the services we provide provides an indication. But let me know if you need any clarity on anything. Sure. So if an influencer onboards with you and they release their tokens and it's very successful, uh, what are the celebrity or influencers audience getting when they purchase a token? What are some, I know it's not, there's no one answer for that, but what are some of the types of things that token holders, um, what, what are some of the ways they would benefit from having a token of their favorite celebrity or influencer or, or nonprofit or organization? One um, influencer asked me recently, she said, and she's like a model, right? Like an Instagram model. She said, um, if I sign up to, you know, Patreon or OnlyFans, for example, or even Instagram's releasing a new feature where you could pay, you know, five, 10, $15 a month, subscribe to unique content. She said, um, why wouldn't I do that over do this token thing? You know, what's, what's, the, what's the point? Um, and I said to her, the biggest paradigm shift is 
if your users subscribe to your Patreon account or your Instagram subscription account, and they pay you the $10 a month, the transaction that's happening in that structure is Matt gives the girl $10 a month to get access to exclusive Instagram content. So it's a one-way transaction. You give the content, she gives the content to you, you give the $10 and that's done. And I said, but think about it this way. What tokens does, and this is true to the Web3 narrative, is imagine if they could buy, for example, $10 worth of tokens from you, right? Or even if they don't buy it from you, you have the ability to airdrop a whole bunch of your tokens to your loyal subscribers and followers where you're saying, you're supporting me by giving me money anyway, so thank you for that, but here's something back. Here's this token back to you where I'm now, you're now a co-owner in a sense of my community. So you have these tokens, you're more incentivized to help me grow this. I'm more incentivized because I've got token holders. I want to look after you guys and make sure these tokens are, you know, have utility and value. And that's the big paradigm shift of Web3. And then when she heard that light bulb moment went off, she got it. And this is really, I think, what is going to be the big game changing element you know, of Web3 and how it's going to impact our lives over the next decade, quite seriously. I agree. And I just want to clarify from that example, I am not uh, give, buying OnlyFans tokens <laughs> or Instagram tokens, whatever. Instagram uh, subscription tokens, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> With tokens, can you talk a little bit about the difference between the utility of a token versus owning a token that will have value in of itself, um, something that the, the holder would maybe just have a, a, they're investing in a token that they feel will raise in value versus actually getting something from it like, uh, like concert tickets or, or a private interview or something. Absolutely. And, and Matt, that, sorry, I should have uh, included that in the second bit. So that is precisely the reason. So if an influencer offers a community token to their, to their followers, the premise is um, there has to be some genuine utility and perks and benefits attached to buying and holding onto the token. So tokens are almost similar to loyalty points in a way where the more you accumulate, the more privileges you get access to. But the only difference, which is a big one, is the more loyalty points that we own in say some model girls community or whatever it might be, we actually can potentially share in the upside growth in that, in that person's brand, but we still get access to all of the perks and benefits anyway. So some of the common benefits that influencers would offer are things like private access into their, their DAO, which is often run from a Discord chat, you know, chat program. And you have special VIP areas where the actual influencer or creator themselves will give you a lot more virtual access to them within this private group. Now, there's a reason why we follow certain people that we do, you know, whether they're business thought leaders or a beautiful girl on Instagram, whatever, whoever the influencer might be. Um, we identify with their aesthetic, their brand, their message, whatever it is. So naturally, we'd, we'd probably benefit from being able to spend more time with them. The other thing that um, the influencers can offer is rounding together, just doing the hard job of rounding together like-minded individuals. I think humans by nature, we're very tribal and we're like very mammalian where we like to find our people and, and feel like we belong in places that different groups that we interact in. So the other benefit is you can meet sort of like-minded people. Like for example, one of our creators uh, in this first cohort, he's an entrepreneur. He's an Australian entrepreneur guy and he's, he's built lots of successful businesses and he's going to create the world's first DAO for entrepreneurs. It's, it's either, the, I've tried to find another entrepreneur, it's probably the world's first. And his mission is to round up every, all the entrepreneurs into this group from all around the world. And he's gonna to bring together, he's got a very heavy hitter network of very successful individuals. And he's gonna bring them in to do like monthly live talks. 
for his token holder community, you know, where the token holders could ask these very successful entrepreneurs questions in this private YouTube live stream type of setting, things like that. So, yeah, and I think that has really, that has a lot of legs. When you're talking about tokens, are you, you're not necessarily talking about NFTs. Yes, that's right. Can you explain what is the difference? Because an NFT is, is a token, right? A non-fungible token, but that's different than the tokenization or the tokens you're describing. Indeed, yes. And thank you for uh, helping me clarify that. So, so just to clarify, we are not against NFTs or the, you know, sort of not gonna use it. NFTs, I feel, serve a great purpose. Now, NFTs generally are sold in a sense where, so by nature, they're one-of-a-kind assets. So no two NFTs, although the image or the, the artwork might be the same, it's got a unique identifier. So they're all technically unique individual digital assets. Now, community tokens, they're all the same. So if I own one community token in Australia and Matt owns one community token in the US, it's the same thing. It's got the same value. If I can send you one, you can send me one back. We've just done, we just sent each other the exact same thing. Whereas if I send you an NFT that I have from a collection and you send me your one, we're exchanging two unique assets. So I view NFTs more as a product that a creator can release once they have their DAO set up and once they have the community token set up, where if they want to raise some funds or build some revenue for their DAO, because a DAO is basically a modern day 21st century organization is, is the way I've, uh, I'd like to phrase it, where it's a modern organization because it's, a, it's an organization where it's basically community run and community owned, i.e. via the token holders or the, token, the community token holders. So these organizations can benefit from extra revenue, right? So if an, inf let's just say uh, an influencer, a YouTuber who might be, uh, you know, like a content creator, comedy YouTube, a content creator release creates a DAO, like a comedy DAO. He releases um, a, commu a community token for that DAO, and their mission is to uh, bring comedy to the world, you know, at scale, and make people uh, appreciate their style, unique style of, say, dry comedy, for example. So, in order to do more marketing and promotion, they can really benefit from having a war chest in their treasury. So, that creator could release a collection of NFTs. For example, that could be memes or something funny, and he could, he or she could sell those memes, those NFT, that ten thousand NFT collection, both to their community and other people on OpenSea and different marketplaces. And all the money that they raise from that, they can use that to fund the community treasury or the bank account for their comedy DAO. So I think NFTs have a great place to play, but I, I view them more as products that you can utilize to, to generate revenue, to fund the DAO and keep the community alive. And the, the first person, Matt, I actually heard this idea from, to give credit where credit is due, is the CEO of a company called Socios. This guy called Alex Dreyfus. He, so Socios, they're doing these things called fan tokens, which is very similar to community tokens, but they've signed up a whole bunch of sports teams. You know, they've signed up um, NBA team, all the NBA teams, Major League Baseball teams, big soccer teams, you know, the Barcelona's, Juventus's of the world, they've signed up the UFC, big organizations, and they're doing these fan slash community tokens for sports organizations and their fans. And, and he, when he was asked in an interview like a year and a half ago, year and a half or so, they, you know, they said, how are you using NFTs in all of this? Because you guys have these sort of tokens that are all the same, but where do NFTs fit in? And he just said, he just views NFTs more as a reward 
You know, so if you hold the fan tokens or community tokens and you're watching like a soccer match and a, an epic goal gets scored, then they might mint like a thousand NFTs from that goal scoring moment and just randomly airdrop it to a thousand Juventus token holders if it was like a guy in Juventus who scored the goal. And, and then people can choose to hold it, keep it as like memorabilia or sell it if they want. So that's how I envision where NFTs fit into this whole paradigm. Do you think right now I'm seeing a lot of NFT projects that are doing similar things, but with their NFT? So they're releasing 500 NFTs, but those NFTs have utility. They have similar access points and rewards and, and things that uh, tokens might have. Um, do, do you think that more of these projects are going to move into tokenization rather than NFTs? Because uh, I'm just trying to differentiate that crossover and figure out that crossover. Uh, because I, 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 I think I, perhaps because NFTs are often media, they're often pictures, JPEGs, or video, um, maybe that is the trajectory they're going to go. Like you're saying, where it's more of a collectible. It's more of something that you uh, m might have less utility with but it's something that may have value and, and be a collectible or a memorabilia as opposed to a token, um, which will maybe be more of the utility currency of a project. But I, I don't know. I'm not really sure the trajectory and, and the overlap of these things. Genuinely, there are pros and cons to each. Now, my biggest concern with using NFTs as sort of the central token for a community to manage a community rather than using a community token is Generally, NFT collections are limited in 1,000 or 10,000 sort of batches, right? So if you have a really small community, then fair enough, the, that amount of tokens is probably going to be sufficient for a long time to come. But who knows, a community might blow up and you might need a lot more NFTs. And somebody could say, well, yeah, you could just release another NFT collection. But I just think that sort of confuses if there's like multiple collections that do different things. So the thing that I appreciate most about community tokens is it really democratizes ownership because not everyone might have the ability to buy one out of the 500 NFTs in a collection. You know, over time, that one NFT might increase because it's, it's scarce, right? But if a creator has 10 million tokens that they've put in their bank account to release slowly, then if I don't have that much money and I've got $5 to spend, for example, I could just buy $5 worth of tokens and community tokens. And that might just be enough to get me into the club. Whereas if there's only 500 NFTs, then in a way, if the community blows up in a good way, then it starts to become a bit like a rich man's game, you know, a rich person's game, you know, and people start getting priced out and you start seeing this in the board at Yacht Club and crypto, all these big, big brands where, you know, you've got to be M&M to buy into these things these days, you know, and that's what's been happening. So I, I feel there are pros and cons. I love NFTs. It's just, I felt from a, how do we, because once again, my mission is to bring the next 10,000 influencers in crypto and then through them, there may be hundreds of millions to billions of their community members. So I thought, how do we do this where we could bring in the most amount of people? And I thought community tokens will just might be able to get more actual users into the game. And that helps the whole industry as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, how do you, and this may get into the DAO conversation a bit, but how do you see balancing the rich man's game you're talking about that's happening with board apes and these other things, but with tokens where let's say a big celebrity or, uh, releases uh, tokens and then other big celebrities just sort of buy up the bulk of those tokens similar to NFTs. And yes, there may still be an access point for $5 to get in, but is that $5 going to still have 
any sort of value when you're up against um, Logan Paul or someone who's going to buy a million dollars in tokens. Yeah, and appreciate that because you're essentially describing whales, right? Whales who can come in and just get a whole bunch of whatever it is, NFTs or community tokens. So the way we counteract that, Matt, is when our platform's token marketplace goes live, we're going to actually set minimums and maximums per user account, which precisely prevents this one rich woman or man coming and is buying up the whole supply. So for example, Matt, if you had, say, 10 million tokens in your supply and you thought, I'm going to sell a million tokens every year, you know, either like in little bits and bobs or just at the end of the year, one million tokens go live. So when your tokens go live on the 1st of January of each year and then there's a million for sale, once again, we can limit people by minimums and maximums. And that once again provides the most amount of unique people to come in and buy your tokens. What is a DAO? Yeah, so a DAO is, um, yeah, I like to call it, it's just, you know, I, I view it and I don't know if it's like the most accurate thing because I feel the definition, once again, just depends on who you talk to. But I like to just call it like a 21st century organization that is a community run, community owned organization. So it's an organization for the community, by the community. And what unites the community members together is there's something called a community token, which you need to buy in order to have meaningful influence within the community. So you could join a DAO and not own the community token. It will just restrict you to certain areas. But if you want to play an active role by being able to use your tokens to vote on important proposals, and have more interaction with the, the project leaders and founders, then you should probably buy a couple of these community tokens and, and you know, sort of get more involved. The promise of DAOs are that they're decentralized. Uh, I've seen a lot of different projects call themselves DAOs and they're, they're not decentralized or they're, they're, you know, maybe they want to be decentralized and they're working on decentralized and that's a different phase coming down the road. Um, but I've yet to see many, if any, that are truly decentralized. Uh, so how, how do you see um, DAOs operating in the future as far as them being a community-driven program but not decentralized? There are still people who are at the top running it versus a truly decentralized organization that is run by a community. Yeah, I, f I feel you on that, Matt. So I feel... Um we are still so early in this crypto journey for the whole world where so many tools that you need to run a DAO don't even exist yet, or they exist in very dodgy forms. But, but that space is changing fast. To give credit to the devs, the devs, the builders out there, respect to them because these solutions are coming online fast. Now we do have some of the fundamental tools that we need, things like you know, if we're a DAO, we need some sort of a bank account, so like a treasury, right? So what kind of software apps can we use to have a treasury where everyone can see the transactions in and out, fully transparent, and there's no dodgy things that can happen. So that sort of stuff exists. Things like if we want to uh, vote on something, you know, we can use something like Snapshot or the voting tools. So the core infrastructure is starting to get built from what I'm seeing. And I feel the better the, on the onboarding into DAOs and and the tools get, the easier it will be for DAOs to actually be DAOs, truest to the sense of the word, as a decentralized organization. In having said that, I feel every DAO is unique, Matt, because every DAO has its own culture, its own values, its own mission. So certain DAOs may actually benefit from some notable founders or some, the most sort of merit, it's like, could it be a meritocratic system, right, where, where the founders or the leaders are the most capable people to lead the DAO moving forward. So if these individuals are at the helm and they're best poised 
to help the DAO achieve its mission and the community members believe in these people and they can vote once a year anyway to, to decide if they want to keep them as the leaders or not, then why not? Because at the end of the day, it's just about the DAOs achieving the mission. So I feel the concept of all of the DAOs in the future going 100% decentralized, that is not realistic. I think there's going to be a spectrum of decentralization and depending on which each, what each DAO community needs, they're going to fall on different plots you know, on, that, on that graph. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm equally excited about all of what you're describing. But if it is a founder that has the, you know, that, that the community has voted on to run it, it's not really a DAO, right? Or is it? Well, if the DAO is united by a community token and um, the, the token holders still have the ability to kick the founder out if the founder just you know, does something dodgy or I think that is a key thing that differentiates a typical company to a DAO. Yep, that makes sense. The metaverse, what do you see? What is the metaverse? <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like I'm, I have to say the same, you know, the risk of repeating myself. Yeah, the metaverse, once again, just different definitions depending on who you ask. But I feel um, the metaverse is, it's really interesting, Matt, because um, there's going to be many metaverses, right, that exist out there. Um, you know, we've got all the big companies the Facebooks of the world and, you know, everyone's going to jump onto the metaverse bandwagon, right? They're all going to have their own, even, you know, because I'm Korean, South Korean by background and even the city of Seoul, they, they, you know, they came out and said they're going to create like a realistic Seoul metaverse within the next couple of years. So there's going to be all these different metaverses or sort of virtual lands that we can visit. And what's really exciting about this is, you know, NFTs, community tokens and DAOs, the way I, I see this playing out is all these different DAOs are going to establish sort of their own areas, right? In metaverse. So they're going to be like almost like mini sort of towns, mini cities, you know, mini uh, localities that you could visit. And when you visit the DAO in, you know, Decentraland or Sandboxes, this coordination location, you're going to go there. You're going to see a very unique looking place. Uh, they're all going to have like their own community token that's unique. And they're probably going to walk into the front door. There's going to be like something you can read that explains what the DAO is about, the mission, you know, how to buy their community tokens, who their sort of main people are, this and that. So I feel um, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be all these internet tribes forming, you know, and they're probably going to be different DAOs that have their, you know, their different community tokens. So, and we're going to have the option to just like travel between different internet tribes and find the ones that are meaningful for us, the missions that we resonate with, we want to contribute to. So I feel that's how the meta of it. And the whole VR, AR stuff, that technology is pretty it's pretty crappy right now, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not, I don't think it's at a level where it's going to bring in the masses, but I feel that technology is going to improve quickly. You know, it's, it's hard for us to sort of see how quick the technology can increase when we're sort of in the thick of it. But I do believe that the, you know, the apples of the world, all these big, you know, the big companies, the Googles of the world, they're going to crack the code on a lot of these devices to make them just higher resolution. You know, they're going to start adding different senses. We're going to be able to start smelling stuff soon you know, more better haptic touch technology, you know, someone bumps you in the metaverse, the haptic suit just bumps you, multi-directional treadmills, all this technology is already here, but it's in sort of dodgy form, but it's just going to improve drastically, I think, over the next five years. How do you envision the, the metaverse and the real world interacting with each other? Because I think that's probably ultimately where we're going to land. I, I don't, and I hope it's not a world where everyone has a a VR headset on and no one actually sees reality and nobody looks at each other. 
But like you're saying, these tools and these organizations and, and the land, the landscape that's being built is extremely exciting. It's very early and we're, it, a lot of the technology is dodgy, like you're saying. But do you have a vision for how the real world and the metaverse will will um, dance with each other? I get a sense that maybe you've given this topic a bit of more thought than me in terms of how the AR and the VR worlds will start to converge. But hearing your thesis just now, I... I I, I, I see that. I see what, see what you're saying. I think um, I think there's probably going to be two sort of levels to this where if we want to really immerse ourselves into the VR world, then we'll go, okay, let's put the goggles on, we'll put the suit on, we'll put the gloves on, we'll do all this stuff, and then we'll go in, meet our friends, do what we're going to do. But then there's going to be like that sort of less intense layer with the AR layer, which you're describing where we walk around and we might be wearing glasses that show us different elements and stuff like that. And then there's going to be the sort of real world where there's no technology we're using at all and we just see the world as it is. And we're probably going to have you know people scattered across those three things and even us as individuals, we're going to sort of tap into those three different modes. In the future, I, I probably see a reality where people's default state might be that AR world. Anthony, this has been an incredibly rewarding conversation, and it's really changing my eyes on how to build projects in the future. Uh, to wrap up, give us your high-level view of why you're so excited about Web3, and uh, let people know where we can reach you. Thanks, Matt, and really enjoy this chat as well, by the way. So the future vision that I have for Web3 is all of the roads are leading to the metaverse. Now, whether the metaverse looks like an VR-focused world, AR-focused, a bit of both, probably a bit of both. I feel all roads lead there. So we're going to have different internet tribes, different internet cities, different DAOs, basically, that are going to establish themselves in different parts of different metaverses. And in order to join these little tribes or cities, you'll have to you know, buy the community tokens, maybe buy some NFTs to, get, to gain entry into their, their little city. And we'll all have our own pockets of places all around the metaverse where we... we where we resonate you know, with these different DAOs that exist out there. We wanna sort of help support and grow their missions. So that's the big macro picture over the next decade or so. I think there's gonna be DAOs everywhere. And that's really the role that Bitfan wants to play. We, we, Bitfans, we want to play the role of you know, onboarding the next 10,000 influencers creators, i.e. creating the next 10,000 DAOs for the world who each have their own missions. And I feel there's a lot of charity that's going to go into this because a lot of the influencers we've spoken to already are very big on donating to different charitable causes. So I think collectively, when we have these 10,000 DAOs launched over the next five years or so, eventually um, there's going to be a lot of lot of net good that's going to come you know, out of this significantly. So we want to contribute to that vision, Matt. And, um, and basically yeah, our way of doing that is through DAO creation and community token minting, eventually NFTs and so forth. So the best way to find us, Matt, is um, just if people want to join our Discord group, because our DAO, we, Bitfans is a DAO itself, we practice what we preach here. So we have a Bitfans DAO and um, I can you know, provide the link for you there. So if anyone's interested to learn more about what we're doing and staying close to our community, please join us on our Discord DAO and we'd love to you know, invite you guys in with open arms. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure.